Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us today. We've been working our way through the book of Exodus these past couple of weeks, and if you've been with us, you've been learning about these people called the Israelites who are God's chosen people. Now, I love the Israelites because I believe that there's a lot of symbolism between the Israelites' journey and our journey as followers of Jesus. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that we've studied how the Israelites were in bondage and they were set free. And if you've received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that you know what that feels like to be set free from bondage. Not only that, but after they got out of bondage, they were going into a, a new season of life, a season of the wilderness. And a lot of times when we give our lives to Christ, we think, well, things are just going to be perfect. Uh, there's going to be no issues no problems. But we find out very quickly that there are actually issues, there are problems, there are circumstances, some things that we face that it gets kind of challenging for us and we have to rely upon the Lord. Now where we find ourselves today uh, is in Exodus chapter 16. And specifically, the Israelites have gotten to this place where they've been in the wilderness and get to a place now where they need supernatural provision. We see that they're hungry, we see that they need this sort of provision, and they need God to provide in a miraculous way way. Now, something that you learn about yourselves is that when your back's against the wall and you get in an uncomfortable position, you get to see what's really inside of you. The Israelites, it's no different. Uh, You see, they were in an uncomfortable position, and so their immediate reaction was, as we see today in Exodus 16, is they were complaining, complaining a lot. In fact, in Exodus 16, Moses said to the people, what have we done? Your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. And complaining has become a habit for the Israelites. Did you know that the average person complains between 15 and 30 times a day? Let me ask you, what have you complained about already today? Maybe it's your food. Maybe it's someone that you are um, connected with. Maybe it's someone who you were uh, driving next to or someone who cuts you off. How many of you are the best drivers that you know? Okay, we call that being deceived, right? So here's the thing. We all have areas in our lives where we complain about things. And the Israelites, they were complainers. Uh, It it says in Exodus 14, it says, they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here in this wilderness? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen to us? He says, leave us alone. We said this, let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Isn't that crazy, their perspective, as they say, you know, we would have rather die in bondage in Egypt than to be in this situation where we had to rely upon God to provide for us. They were constantly complaining. What do you complain about the most in your life? I know here in Southeast Louisiana, every time I turn the news on and I see the weather channel, I automatically think of the cone of air, and it's an opportunity for me to complain. Uh, Like I said, other drivers, there's so many things in our lives that we can complain about, but look what Paul said to the Philippians. He said this, he said, do everything, why don't you say that with me this morning, say everything, everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Do you know complaining is one of the most worthless things that you and I could do? It is a complete waste of energy. Have you ever heard this phrase before, what you feed grows? Well, neuroscience has found this to be true. 
They said this, Dr. Travis Bradbury said, repeated complaining hardwires the brain to do more complaining. And so what we want to do today is we want to look at the Israelites, we want to look at Exodus chapter 16, and we want to figure out how to rewire our brain. We want to feed our brain something other than complaining, and we want to feed it gratitude. We want to say, how can we learn to live lives of gratitude. Just a couple things for you this morning I want to pull out from this passage. The first thing is this, is that in order to live uh, lives of gratitude, we got to fix our focus. Now, here's what happened in Exodus 16, verse 3, the very beginning of this passage. They said, if the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, there we sat around pots that were filled with meat. We ate the bread we wanted, but now you brought us into wilderness to starve us all to death. Now, once again, notice The first time when things got really tough, the first thing they started to do was to complain. Not only did they complain this one time, but if you read their journey, you learn that the Israelites complained 14 times to Moses, to Aaron, and to God. And if you and I are honest, there's a lot of similarities between the Israelites and ourselves. We complain when we don't get our way. We complain when God doesn't do what we think he should do, when he should do it how he should do it, in the place that he should do it, right? We get, we get aggravated at God, we get mad at him, and we start to complain. And maybe just like the Israelites, we don't complain to God, but we complain to the people around us. What's crazy is that at this point in the story, the Israelites have already experienced God's miraculous power time and time again. What do I mean? Well, I mean, at this point, they've been protected during the plagues, They've been released from Egypt. They've been miraculously have crossed the Red Sea. They've seen Pharaoh's army defeated. They have seen God do amazing things. So the current situation that they're in, they should know this isn't too much for God to handle. But a lot of times, just like the Israelites, we forget what God has done for us in our lives. Did you know that it's scientifically proven that the more grateful you are, the better you sleep, the higher self-esteem you have, it improves your friendships and more. Did you know you and I are wired to be grateful? And you are literally a healthier person, mentally, physically, emotionally, when you are grateful. This is what the psalmist says. Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. So here's my question for you today. Have you even been grateful today? <laughs> When's the last time that you expressed thanksgiving to God for things that he's done in your life? I mean, like literally, I want you to seriously think about it. When's the last time you wrote down and you said, God, thank you so much for for how you delivered me, how you set me free, how you provided for me over the past year during this, this worldwide pandemic, how you provided food for me, shelter, clothing, how you provided these friendships. Like, when was the last time that you've been grateful? I want to encourage you today, even right now, to sit down to write those things out, to spend some time telling God how grateful you are. Not only do we need to fix our focus, but we need to remember that God provides. It says in Exodus 16, verse 4 through 5, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for the day. I'm going to test them to see whether or not they're going to follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they're going to gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. Now think about this. They're hungry And God says, I'm literally going to rain down food. How crazy is that? Now, I don't know about you. Live in the United States, live in New Orleans. I imagine if God was going to rain down manna, it would be Chick-fil-A. Specifically, a number one with cheese, a Coke on the side. I mean, just imagine with me, God raining down provision every single day 
literal food for you to eat. But here was the catch. The manna was only going to last 24 hours, and it would only be enough for the day. I love that because God was literally putting his people in a position to rely on him for their daily bread, for, for the, the, the bread that they needed for that, that specific day, not for tomorrow, not the bread they needed yesterday, but for that moment, God was positioning them to rely completely upon him for their daily bread. And I've, re, I've learned this, that relying upon the Lord is a critical component to growing in your relationship with him. I mean, when you think about relying upon God, what comes to your mind? Maybe it's your directional needs, meaning that you need God to give you direction in your life. Maybe it's emotionally, uh, maybe it's mentally, it's financially, it's spiritually. Whatever needs that you have, I want to let you know today, God can provide those needs for you today, right now. And here, here's what I love about this, and a lot of people skip over the next verse, like, oh, God rained down manna, that's amazing. No, no, listen to this next verse. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years. They ate manna for, God provided manna for them every day for 40 years. You know how many days that is? That's 14,600. For 14,600 days, God provided for them. When I say, you know, we're just like the Israelites, I imagine that we look at the situation we're currently facing and thinking, man, I don't know how God's going to deal with this, but we forget the 14,600 days that God has been faithful already. And I want to tell you that the same God who provided for the Israelites, the same God that's already provided for you, he will provide for you. So what are the greatest needs that you have in your life that you need to be trusting the Lord for. The third thing that we see here is in order to live grateful lives, you got to develop new appetites. Now, what's crazy is that when the Israelites were living in bondage with the Egyptians, they were eating one set of food. Uh, specifically, they were eating uh, melons, leeks, onions, and garlics. But when they transitioned to a new season of life, to this desert season, we see that God changed their appetite. We're going to see later on that he's going to change their appetite again. But here's what, what's interesting to me. When they were in Egypt and they were eating onions and garlic, have you ever been around someone who's eaten uh, onions and garlic? You know that they've eaten that. Why? Because they smell of it. And why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because God needs to, he wants to change our diet when he takes us into a new season of life. And if you're still eating the old things that you used to eat, it will prevent you from moving on to what God has in store for you. God changed their diets when they were in the wilderness. God changed their diets when they went into the promised land. And God did this because if we're going to go somewhere new with God, we have to develop a new appetite for something that we've never had before. I mean, you know, like I said, if you've spent time with people who are thinking and dwelling on the past, right? They're thinking about things that have happened 10 years ago. They're thinking about things that should have happened yesterday that didn't happen. They're constantly focused on, here's the thing, if you focus on yesterday, you can't get to tomorrow. You can't get into the new season that God has for you. You've got to develop a new appetite. So many people think this, man, if I could just, I just need to change my church. I just need to change my church and I'm going to grow more. Or I just, need to, uh, I just need to change the city I'm living in. I need to move. Or I'm thinking, no, I just need to, I need, need to get, if I just get divorced, get detached from this person, then everything will work out. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Wherever you go, you are there. The problem is not the environment or the, the problem is actually you, right? God is trying to do something in you, not in the situation around 
you. We see here, they literally, God rained down manna. Well, in, it literally translates to what is it? What is it? What is this thing that God has given me? And I love that because when we go from bondage to a new season of life, we're like, what are we supposed to do? And it's really simple because a lot of times we get, we, we don't like spiritual disciplines. We say, what's the importance of reading the Bible? Why do I have to pray? Why do I have to fast? Why do I have to do, go and fellowship with other believers and do these things? These critical things are so important to your walk with the Lord, to your development as a child of God, and also to move you into the next season that God has you in. So I want to encourage you to change your appetite right now, to increase your appetite on spiritual things and things that we read in God's Word, like I said, Bible reading, prayer, fasting, uh, fellowship with the believers, because these are so critical for us transitioning into the next season that God has for us. This next thing is this, is that in order to live grateful lives, we've got to rest in God's work. He says this in Exodus 16, verse 26, you may gather food for six days, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Now, here's what's great. That word Sabbath, it's literally the Hebrew word for Shabbat, and that word means to stop. Stop. Recently, I read a survey done by a doctor who cited the happiest place on earth. Near the top of the list was a group of Christians called the Seventh-day Adventists who are religious literally about the Sabbath. And the doctor noted that they live 10 years longer than the average American. 10 years. Now, I did the math. If you take a Sabbath... Every week, once a week, for seven uh, out of seven days, it adds up, wait for it, over the course of your life, 10 years. If the study is to believe, to be believed, then every day you Sabbath, you're statistically and scientifically likely to live a longer life if you incorporate a Sabbath into your daily and your weekly routine. Now, you may be thinking, well, I don't have time to rest. I'm so busy. Well, that's really the problem. Because your schedule's so busy, you get stressed out, you get so hurried, you're living in this, this life of, of hurry, but the only place you're actually heading to is an early grave. And rest is essential. It's essential to God, in God's design for you and for me. In Exodus 34, it says, the Lord said this, you have six days to work, but on the seventh day you must stop working, even during the seasons of plowing and harvest. You know, the last time that a society decided that they were going to have longer than a seven-day work week was during the French Revolution. And they decided they were going to increase the work week from seven days to ten days. And do you guess what happened? Well, what happened was that productivity decreased greatly to where they never went back to that ten-day work week. They went back to the seven-day. It went to zero. There is a zero correlation between hurry and productivity. In fact, it's scientifically proven. If you work more than 50 hours a week, your productivity plummets after that 50 hours. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows that you and I were created and designed to need rest, to have that rhythm of rest in our lives. And on our Sabbath day, we're supposed to rest our body, refocus our spirit, recharge our emotion. And the Sabbath, it also means to delight. This is a time weekly that you're to delight in the Lord. You're supposed to do things like pray and worship and, and do maybe some recreational activities where you, you enjoy God, maybe outdoors or some, his creation. I mean, this is a very special time in the week that God has given and he wants you and I to have so that we can understand how good he is 
and that he is in complete control and he is the God of provisions. Rest is not a matter of necessity. It's a matter of obedience. In Exodus 20, it says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And keeping the Sabbath is actually one of the Ten Commandments. And you may be thinking, you know, resting is a sign of weakness. I don't need, I don't need to rest. You know, I need to work more and more and more. That, that means that I'm weak. Or maybe you're just too busy. But listen, you're not too busy to, to take a Sabbath. You're too busy to not take a Sabbath. We need to learn just how to rest from work and to find rest in our work. And the devil often tempts us when we're tired, exhausted, because there's a better chance that he's going to succeed when we're tired. And we don't need to give the enemy a foothold. We need to make sure that we have that rhythm of rest, right? So these are some things that, that the Lord was teaching his people. And the last thing that he told them is this, and I love this. He said, um, he said make sure that you tell others what God has done for you. You tell others what God has done for you. We see that at the end of this whole ordeal, God has miraculously provided for them. He's literally raining food down. And this is what he says. He says, Moses said to Aaron, get a jar, fill it with two quarts of manna, put it in a sacred place before the Lord to preserve it for all future generations. Aaron did as the Lord commanded. He eventually placed it in the Ark of the Covenant in front of the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land that they would settle. And the manna, uh, they ate manna until they came to the border in the land of Canaan. I want to tell you, that what God has done in your life, God's, uh, his workings and how he's uh, demonstrated himself to you and his, his miracle work and power, he wants you to tell other people what he's done for you and in your life. When God does something awesome in your life, it isn't so you can keep it to yourself. It's for you to tell other people so that they can also see how good God is. Now, I grew up in, in church and uh, we would go to Sunday school and we would sing this song and you probably know it. It's this little light of mine, right? You say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And it goes on, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine, right? And I love that song, and I was thinking about that because that's what the enemy wants to do. The good things that God is doing in and through your life, it's a light. It's a light for, for you, but for other people to see God's goodness. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to put something over that light so that other people can't see God's goodness, and we need to make sure that we're not giving him an opportunity to do that. Now, we, need, we have opportunities at work. We have opportunities with our friends. We have opportunities with our family. We have social media, right? You can post right now something good that God has done in your life recently on your social media channel. But for parents, we need to understand that the greatest opportunity that we have is with our, chi- with our kids and telling our kids about God's miracle-working power. So I got three boys. Uh, several years ago, one of my boys went through a, a really hard situation. We were in the hospital for a long time, and he was wired to all kinds of things, and he had a tube in his, um, in his right side on his lung. And um, right now, he, God did a miracle-working power in his life, and that tube was removed, and there's a scar on his side. And so every single day when we, when we take a bath or, or when he's changing his clothes, we point out that scar, and we say, say Taj, do you know what that is? And he says, yeah, this is where Jesus healed me. And you know, there's scars in our lives. There's things that have taken place in our lives that we can point to and that we can say, look how good God has been. And I want to encourage you. I don't know what you're going through right now, but God has been good to you. God has been so good to you. And you have something that you can share with others around you. You have uh, family, friends, coworkers who would benefit from hearing about God's miracle working power in your life. It says in Psalm 78, 
We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Psalm 145, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. And let me just ask you, when was the last time? When was the last time that you told someone about what God has done for you? Like I said at the beginning, I love reading about the Israelites because there's so many similarities to my life, to your life as we journey and we follow the Lord. And I know today as as we've just been been unpacking Exodus chapter 16 and we're learning about God's provision, I know that there's something in your life that you've been praying for. There's something that you've been wanting God to provide. Maybe it's a relationship that you don't have that you want, that you desire. Maybe it's financially, emotionally, mentally in your career. I don't know what it is, but God knows what it is. And maybe you're busying yourself trying to make it work for yourself. And and it's great to do that, but God wants you to rely upon him. He wants you and I to live lives of gratitude where we take a Sabbath, where we rest, where we, we, we receive that daily bread that God has for us, where we tell other people about him. And as we close today, I just want to do something. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, if you would just hold your hands in front of you, I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to have a clenched fist as you do that, just like I am right now. And this is symbolic of you holding on to everything in your life, of you holding on to your dreams, holding on to your own provision, holding on to, to, you're going to make things work for you. And as I pray today, what I want you to do is I want you to slowly open your hands. And that's just going to be a symbolic gesture today that we're saying to God, God, we're no longer going to toil ourselves to death trying to provide for ourselves, but we're going to trust you, the God of provision. We're going to lean into the rhythm of rest. We're going to tell people about how good you are. And we're, going to, we're not going to complain, but we're going to live lives of gratitude. Let me pray for you. God, just in this moment, um, I just thank you so much for every single person who's listening to this message, God. Listening to the greatness of who you are and what you've done for your people many years ago, Father. Thank you so much that you've given us your word as a blueprint, God, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're still doing the same things you've always done, God. You are the God of provision. And you know every detail of our lives. God, you know how we're hurting right now. Maybe how we've been complaining because things haven't been going our way. But right now in this moment, with our hands in front of you, God, we open our hands as a gesture saying, God, we release those burdens and those things to you in this moment, Lord God. And we say, Father, we receive your provision, God. Help us to rest in knowing that you are in complete control, God. Help us, God, to know that there's there's nothing that we can do Father, to earn your love, God, you, you love us more than we could ever dream, ask, or imagine, God, and we can rest in you and your provision, God. Help us live gracious lives, Lord God. Help us to tell others today of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.